questo Praise the Lord. We welcome you at our live broadcast this Sunday, January 9, 2022. Shall we pray? Our Father and our God, we thank you for the opportunity to be again here. Father, we pray that you open the hearts of all of us today to receive this message. And at this message, O oh Lord, you use it to break the yokes and open the eyes of those who are spiritually blind. And those who have not known your name, that they may know you, O oh God. We commit all our Father and our God in Jesus' name. Welcome your Holy Spirit. Speak to us and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Our instrumental is taken from our brother Caleb Brassi. May the Lord continue to bless him and his family. We are continuing with our Will of God series. Last Sunday, as the series outline, we spoke, it is another year. Continuing from that theme of last Sunday, which I encourage those who didn't watch to go back and watch that broadcast. Today we are going to talk about God's will is supreme. And next Sunday we speak that God's word is God's will and continuing. You can see the displays on the board. We're not going to run through them. But take it that it's going to be like a 10-course meal. You may reach 12, but we right now it's like a 10-course meal. You don't want to miss any aspect of the meal. You want to enjoy it. Because to be honest with you, your work with God depends a lot on, your, on the things you learn from this series. Not because we are speaking it, but because we are taking you to God's word. And when you go to the Lord in prayers, he's going to activate you after the 10th week. So that you begin to contend for the gospel once for all delivered to the saints. You can no longer be a receipt. That's you receive, but you don't give. You have to give out. And we're not talking of, we're talking about giving out, preaching the gospel. Teaching as you are led to teach using God's word. Praise the Lord. Today's topic, God's will is supreme. That means it's nothing ever created in the whole universe, spiritual and physical, can match God's will. No, God's will is supreme and can never be overturned. Outline. No one can override God's will. Nobody. Physical, spiritual. Two, there were many false prophets in Israel. Three, so many false teachings in the 21st century. Four, so many false teachers, prophets, GOs, pastors in the 21st century. Five, what true prophets, servants of God must do. What those who really have believed must do. Don't leave the, your father's house for interlopers. No one can override God's will. First item. God created the heavens and the earth. He created vegetation and populated the earth with birds, sea, and land creatures. Then he put human beings, who he made in his own image and likeness, in charge. 
It was God's will that human beings should live forever. Note that point. But human beings had a part to play in God's will for them to live forever. They had to obey his commands. But Satan decided to override God's will by getting human beings to disobey God. Satan used an agent, the serpent, to execute his nefarious plan. The serpent played, that's the 21st century language, he played Eve. Actually then, he deceived Eve. And Eve disobeyed God's command. Adam joined Eve in her rebellion because he too ate the fruit God told them not to eat. From that moment of disobedience, sin entered the world God created. And through sin came death for all human beings. If God had left everything there, except that his will is supreme, human beings were doomed to die. Not just physical death, but eternal one too. That means they would have died forever. So if God didn't do something about it, that means Satan would have succeeded in thwarting God's will. And we know that is impossible. Because Satan, Lucifer, as he was before he fell as dark angel, hadn't learned his lesson that no one can override God's will. God is supreme. As a result of Satan's rebellion in the heavens, God had disinherited Satan, removing him from his place as God's covering cherub. Or cherub. He had also condemned him. And those angels who joined him in his rebellion to eternal damnation. By sacrificing his son, God redeemed humanity from eternal death. So his will was reimposed. And God also decreed that whoever, not the word, whoever believes and accepts his son, will inherit eternal life and live forever. No exception. Christ's sacrifice, becoming seen because of God's love for the world of human beings, imputed Christ's righteousness on all who believe. Note that again. God didn't stop there. He sealed all those who believe in his son with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins to indwell all who have believed truly and genuinely. The indwelling Holy Spirit serves as guarantee that those who believe and who continue, note again what I'm saying, to embody Christ, not who believe and run off, and live in obedience to the commands of the Lord Jesus Christ will indeed inherit eternal life and live forever. That's why we tell you it's not saved and forever saved. No. So long as you continue embodying Christ, so long as you continue to live in his obedience to his commands, you will inherit eternal life and live forever. After the cross, Satan is furious. But I'll say very furious. God has shown him that his will will always prevail, that again he has failed. He is on a rampage. 
Please note what I'm saying. Because the things I'm going to say today are not said very lightly. Please. He and his demons and evil spirits have done everything and are still doing everything to prevent unbelievers from knowing the grace of God. He has blindfolded unbelievers. They cannot see. Those things Satan and evil spirits have done to prevent unbelievers from knowing that Christ has set them free. Perhaps in comparison to what they have done to derail believers from the path of righteousness. That means they have intensified their effort to make sure once you have known the Lord, they want, you, they want to derail your faith. They want to draw you back. They want to pull you back into the kingdom of darkness. Just as, please note what I'm about to say. Just as he used the serpent to execute a great deception in the Garden of Eden, he's using false pastors and general overseers to deceive believers and to cause them to lose their faith in God. See, Satan will always use agents. Period. That's the only way he can get believers to derail. If he can't get into sin. Let us go to the next item. We will continue on that too. There were many false prophets in Israel. You see, Israel, at the time we are going to talk about, the time of Elijah the prophet, that's the northern kingdom, was in great apostasy. They had left God. They were not serving Baal. They had put Baal and Yahweh, that's God, at the same level. So people were doing, you know, this and that, the world and God. Yahweh, God. Baal, the world. All mixtures. You see, everything was all right. How do you think about that? That's our world today. So God had to send his prophet, Elijah, to confront Ahab, who had been messing up Israel with his wife Jezebel. So we're going to read these scriptures. Long, but please pay attention. And let her go back and read them. Please, scripture. First Kings chapter 18, verses 17 to 40. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, So is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? I have made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. 19. Now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, along with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who are supported by Jezebel. Just note. Elijah is one prophet. Look at the number of false prophets. 450 of Baal and 450 prophets of Asherah. Please, that's a ratio. Keep in mind. Continue, please. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Verse 21. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bowls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bowl and lay it on the wood on the altar, 
but not set fire to it. Then call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, You go first, for there are many of you. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it, and call on the name of your God, but do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, O Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar they had made. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he's a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming, or he's relieving himself. Or maybe he's away on a trip, or he's asleep and needs to be wakened. So they shouted louder, and following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but still there was no sound, no reply, no response. Then Elijah called to the people, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been turned down. He took twelve stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, Fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After they had done this, he said, Do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, Now do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded, Seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all. Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and killed them there. Praise the Lord for his word and telling us he's supreme. See, the prophets of Baal and Asherah have been running riot all over in northern Israel, which is really, uh, that's based in Samaria, if you know the history, but we're not going there now, that the kingdoms have been split. And so northern Israel, which now assumed the name Israel, um, was in great how do you compare it our world today that's all I want to say but see only one prophet one man was standing before God and calling on God and God had his prayer so don't ever think that you one person cannot make a difference to your generation that's the point I'm making why I read this scripture first about apostasy and saying you cannot just keep quiet if you are led to stand, stand, and God will honor his name at all times because God is supreme. There's so much apostasy in our world that God is looking for those who will stand up 
and confront the evil men and women in our midst. So many false teachings in the 21st century. Next item. Scripture, please. Luke chapter 16, verse 23 to 31. And his soul went to the place of the dead. There, in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. Besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your time, No one can cross over from here, no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, they won't listen to Moses and the prophets. They won't listen, even if someone rises from the dead. Praise the Lord. Actually, it's Luke 16, verses 23 to 31. There was a mistake on the board. So, look at verse 31. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, that means the law and the prophets, they won't even listen even if somebody rises from the dead. Father Abraham hit a nail on the herd. The importance of the scriptures. The importance of the scriptures. The scriptures during the last time when he made this narration on earth was the Old Testament, which comprised the five books of Moses, the law, and the writings. That means, and the prophets, of course. The books of Moses, actually. The law, which is part of the book of Moses. Then I'll say the prophets and the writings. Now, if you are hearing me, if you don't want to end up in the same place as a rich man, you must read your Bible. Your Bible contains the scriptures. If you, you see what Father Abraham told you, even if somebody came from the dead, they won't believe. They have the scriptures. And today the scriptures will not include the Old Testament and the New Testament. You have the scriptures. Therein lies the words of eternal life. Satan, your enemy and my enemy. He knows what Abraham knows too. Yes, he knows that if people really read the Bible, and follow through that he can never penetrate. So he has made the scriptures the focal point of his attack. He and his demons have brought in doctrines that make this world so lovely and so appealing. Because he knows that so long as believers are focused on the world, 
they will take their eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ and eternal life. Remember what the Lord said. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Where will you find that truth? In his word. That's the only place to find the truth. Not in any human being. Not in your geos and pastors. Not in the wicked men and women who are parading one name or the other. Only in the scriptures. But how can you and I know the truth? When you and I don't read the Bible, we don't take it very seriously. How can you and I know the truth? When you and I depend on others to tell us what is in the Bible. Human beings like you and I. Even you may have better education than they. It is baffling that most believers depend on others to tell them what is in the Bible. It is, it is, it is beyond baffling. Are you and I not aware that the most important thing in eternity, our own very existence, our lives individually, is at stake? I don't want to think that most believers don't value their lives. We'll go to the next item to see the gist of the devil. So many false teachers, prophets, geos, pastors in the 21st century, just like the prophets, the prophets of Baal and Asherah. Just like in Israel during the run of Ahab and Jezebel. False prophets outnumbered through prophets of God. The ratio is astronomical. The prophets of Israel owe their allegiance to Baal. 21st century false prophets, pastors, geos, teachers are beholden to Mammon. Why do you think you have worldly prosperity in your churches? Ashrate, Queen of Heaven, etc., etc. All these gods, whether Baalo, whether Ashtate, whether Queen of Heaven, they belong to the kingdom of darkness. They are all servants of the devil. They are all servants of Satan. They belong to the devil's, the satanic kingdom. Just as the prophets of Baal led Israel to sin and brought down God's anger, so have these 21st century false prophets and pastors brought great evil on the world. The evil in the world is not committed by the people that commit them, but by the false prophets and geos and pastors. Because if believers really stand and make decrees, there may be no rain too for three years, just like Elijah did for three and a half years. These false pastors and general overseers are Satan's agents. And they are actively undermining the gospel of Christ. Whether you like it or not, I don't care who your geo pastor is, but if he's not preaching from the Bible, he or she is an agent of the devil. They are doing the enemy's bidding. And the enemies of the gospel of Christ. You can take it anywhere. Sadly, many believers are slaves to their pastors and leaders. I know some of you is not your fault in a way, but it is too. But we'll see. If these false pastors and Jews don't repent, they will surely perish. God will require the blood of the so many they have laid and are leading to eternal damnation with their falsehoods. Believers of our dependence on other human beings gave Satan the perfect opportunity. He has exploited it. He has raised false pastors, false prophets, false Jews, false elders, false everything else, false church organizations, 
some of the richest church organizations in the world. They are not playing the role that the serpent played in Eden. <laughs> Please, no, I'm very serious. The role that the serpent played in Eden is the role these people are playing now. Why do you think there are so many people claiming to be speaking for God? Whose utterances contradict God's word at every point? It's not accidental. It's an onslaught of the scriptures. Because like Father Abraham told the rich man who was now suffering in Thomas in the Hades, he said, they have the scriptures, let them read it. So Satan has attacked it to take away the people who have believed. And he has raised agents. Talk men and women. He has raised them. Some are even doing miracles. But are false miracles. Satan and his cause are responsible. And they are behind, please note what I said, behind many of the ministries in the world today. They are responsible for many of the ministries in the world today. Leaders of congregations who are doing Satan's bidding are great influencers. They are great influencers. Some of them are very charismatic. But here's the rub. Some are using hypnosis to keep their members. Others are being aided by Satan and his demons. Others are just great marketers. They are great salesmen and women. They are great marketers. They can sell you anything. And those who are great marketers have mastered the art of brainwashing. A captive congregation, whether hypnotized, demonized, or brainwashed, can never discern what is true and what is false. Whether they're in the millions, doesn't matter. They could never recognize mutilation of the scriptures. They will never recognize doctrines of demons because they are captive. They are slaves to these men and women of the belly. A captive congregation, whether hypnotized, demonized, or brainwashed, are ready to kill for their loss. As irrational as that sounds. In centuries past, Apostate church leaders and organizations have instigated countries to fight each other. Nothing says it can't happen again. New converts who attend congregations under the influence of false pastors and geos stand no chance. A new convert now goes into a particular church building. Zealous for the Lord. Unfortunately, by the time they are there, they are either hypnotized, demonized, or brainwashed, and their faith dies. And they become like the rest of the congregation. I have a question for you. If you are one of those believers who have not been hypnotized, that means you have not been hypnotized, you have not been demonized, you have not been brainwashed. You know the truth, and that's many of you watching this broadcast. But you have refused to stand up for your Lord and Savior. You see, you know what we are saying is true. That's why you tune in. You are very zealous about that. But is that way? That is not all. You also have to stand up like I'm doing here and like this ministry is doing. We all have to stand up everywhere and contend for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Because my question to you is this, my brother, my sister. You have known and you know this truth. So, what will you say if the Lord calls you home today? And he asks you, my son, my daughter, what did you do to combat apostasy? What did you do to help free those under the bondage of these false church leaders? What are you going to say? I don't know. Many of you even can't share these messages because you're afraid. Why should you be afraid? Elijah was a man like you and I. Elijah was a human being like you and I. So what's your problem? What's my problem? Speak the truth. Doesn't matter. It is not by accident that so many believers love those teachings that paint pictures pleasing to the eyes. Yes. You know, when you go to your churches today, especially in Africa, all the beautiful cars and the beautiful dresses, they're all there. Those things, they're very desirable. We want to be like them. They're pleasing to the eyes. Them gears in the wire and the whole auditorium. They're desirable to possess. And they give worldly wisdom. What, what am I describing? I'm describing the fruit in the garden. The serpent painted a similar picture to Eve as he described the benefits of the fruit from the tree forbidden by God. Many of you are still eating this fruit forbidden by God. Many of your friends and family who are believers, but they are in bondage. What are you going to do to free them? You have to free them with the truth. Today, false prophets are giving out messages that please the flesh and that make unbelievers to forget eternal life. You see, eat today, enjoy yourself, don't worry. Unknown to their followers, this false prophet, their followers, actually that they are victims. They are using brainwashing techniques. I'm going to detail on brainwashing. Something that brainwashing is overt, meaning it's obvious that those who are doing the brainwashing use force or intimidate to indoctrinate victims. No, that's one side of brainwashing. The most insidious, that's the worst part of brainwashing, is the one that is done covert. That is, it is hidden. It is hidden. The victims are unaware that they are being brainwashed. Those pastors who have been teaching false doctrines are actually brainwashing their followers. They understand the power of propaganda, which works on the principle that the more people hear a particular information, the more likely they are to do what? Believe. In short, repetition of lies becomes fact to the hearers. In effect, the more lies are told, the more they become believable. Even the promoters of these lies, some of them are not believing their own lies. False pastors and Jews have been using brainwashing techniques to keep a tight grip on their followers. That's those who are not using the powers of darkness. It is because of brainwashing, hypnotism, that their followers bought into the false teachings pro promoting extravagant lifestyles and the adoration of those they supposedly think are men and women of God. Why they bow down to them? It is because of brainwashing, hypnotism, that their followers bought into false teaching that God protects those who pay tithes from ill health. And I give them words too. It is because of brainwashing, hypnotism, that their followers bought into the false teaching that those who sow what they call seed with their money will get hundredfold riches in return. All those pastors preaching it are false. It is because of brainwashing, hypnotism, that their followers bought into the false teaching by apostate Christianity. 
that people must confess their sins to those they call priests for God to forgive them. I can go on and on, but you get where I'm going. I'm going. It is because of brainwashing hypnotism that many believers now participate, and that's where you hearing me not even know, in cultural activities which often have pagan roots. It is because of brainwashing hypnotism that many believers have become activists for one cause or the other. Their minds have been so conditioned that they see their activism as being part of the mission of God. It is because of brainwashing hypnotism that believers bought the falsehood that they can enter the political, into political and social alliances of the world. In centuries past, False church leaders use brainwashing to rationalize such evil as the transatlantic slave trade and to promote Caucasian superiority and dark skin inferiority. I don't like using the word white, so I always prefer to use Caucasian because that's the race. So whenever you hear Caucasian, I mean white, but I don't believe in white. Nobody's white or black. So in the 21st century, false Caucasian church leaders have brainwashed their followers to see those with their skin tone as being superior and to be intolerant of those who don't look and act like them. In the 21st century, fossilists have brainwashed their followers into accepting tribal customs as part of Christianity using brainwashing techniques. False pastors in Africa especially have introduced their followers into witchcraft. I want to ask you a question. Why do you think no one could challenge one false prophet in Africa who asked his audience to bring combs to his service and use the comb to comb away demons? Nobody could challenge him. And then he brought a magic stick and asked his followers to look at it and pray. If such practices are not witchcraft, what is witchcraft then, please? When you have done that and participated, you have been tied to him. And whatever it tells you to do, you will do. That's witchcraft. I wish I had more time. Let's go to the next item. What true prophet servants of God must do? What you and I must do if you have believed. And you know that these things are true. True prophet servants of God should understand that you take divine intervention for their messages to break through the billions of brainwashed, hypnotized, demonized believers in the world. True prophets, servants of God may not be many. You may not be many. We may not be many. But when has God relied on numbers to bring his will to pass? Elijah was one man. There were 950 of them. God wants his true servants to rise up at this hour of great infamy and worldwide apostasy and contend for the gospel of Christ once for all delivered to the saints. Stop sitting on your hands. This is the time to contend for the gospel. This is the time to shout the message of the kingdom and defy these false men and women who are deceiving so many and taking them into Christless eternity. Your own family, friends, and neighbors may have turned their backs on you. Don't take it personal. It's not personal. It's nothing to do with you. Please understand that the gospel of Christ is not what they have been predisposed to hear. What they have been programmed to hear from childhood. What many of them have been brainwashed, demonized, or hypnotized to believe. They are under an influence. 
So that's why you have to intercede for them. You have to pray for them. Never give up. You must know that Satan is not willing to surrender the billions of the deceived without a fight. He will not. But your prayer, my prayer, on our knees and with tears, and with faith in God, God will prevail. God, God wants us to prevail, but He wants us to have faith in Him. He wants us to intercede for them. That's the only way we can depopulate the number in apostate Christianity, the number under the apron strings of your general overseers and false pastors, the number of people who have been deceived, hypnotized. May God have mercy on all people, and I pray that they repent. And you should also pray for them to repent. But meanwhile, speak the truth. Stop being lazy. Study the scriptures. And rise up in the spirit and fight for your king and his kingdom. Praise the Lord. I'm going to sing a song because Christ lifted me and I'm sure he lifted you. In loving kindness, Jesus came. My soul in mercy to reclaim while I was in the peace of darkness. And from the depths of sin and shame through grace, he lifted me. From sinking sand, he lifted me. With tender hand, he lifted me. Thank you, Jesus. From shades of night to a place of light, Oh, praise his name. He lifted me. He called me long before I heard. For many years before I had him. Before my sinful heart was stirred. But when I took him at his word, he forgave me and lifted me. Your belief from sinking sand, he lifted you. With tender hand, he lifted you. From the shades of night to a place of light. You should always praise his name. You should always praise his name because he lifted you. His brow was pierced with many a tongue. His hands by cruel nails were torn. When from my guilt, and grief fallen in love he lifted me from second son he lifted us with tender hands he lifted us from shades of night to place of light we must praise his name not just today always and forever because he lifted us Now on a higher plane we dwell, you and I, those who have believed. And with our souls I know it is well. Yet how or why I cannot tell. That is, how did he, why did he lift me up? I cannot tell. Why did he lift you up? You cannot tell. But the point is, he lifted us up. Let us one more time lift up his name. From sinking sand he lifted us. With tender hand he lifted us. From shades of night to a place of light. Oh, praise his name, he lifted us. 
Praise the Lord. I want us to pray. Dear God, thank you for your words. But I know your words are not just words. They go with power. Therefore, Father, I pray and I believe that those who hear this message will never be the same again. That you are setting fire in your hearts today. That they will go forth in the power of the Holy Ghost to confront this apostate generation. To declare the true counsel of God. And to encourage everyone to go into your word and only your word. And not to listen to people that have sold their souls to the devil. I also pray for those who have sold their souls to the devil that they will have everything. That they will have everything. For what does it profit a human being to gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his or her own soul? Touch them wherever they are to the deliverance of millions and hundreds of thousands who are leading men and women to Christ's eternity, Lord, to make a U-turn. But finally, they persist. Let the fire begin to burn. Let the fire begin to destroy. Let the fire begin to set your captives free. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let there be confusion in the army of the enemy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I give you all the praise. I give you all the honor for being our Father and our God. You lifted us and we bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. By his grace, next Sunday. Please, we covet your prayers. We covet your prayers. Pray for us. We also pray for you. In Jesus' name.